latest episode of the Brush Brothers Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Brothers Union, Simon Berman. This month, I am return. I am joined by returning guest Greg DeStefano, uh, one of the owners of Turbo Dark, one of our kind of partners here at Brush Brothers Union. He's, Greg is a member of the Brush Brothers Union. I've spoken to them before about Turbo Dork, and uh, they make some really cool metallic paints. They make some shifting color paints, and they have just remixed their entire uh, line with a new formulation of paint. And I am stoked to talk about it. Greg, thanks for talking to me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Simon. I'm super excited to chat about everything and 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 yeah, I can't talk. Me break, <laughs> me remix. It has yeah, been a would... very very good launch, but it has been a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you guys have been have been super busy. Um, I think you and I last spoke uh, on here on this podcast several years ago, and then uh, Meredith, your partner, uh, she spoke to me a little more recently than that. Um, so uh, yeah, what's what's been going on with Turbo Dork? I think the big news is the the remix, and uh, what's what's that all about? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think you talked to Meredith like right after we moved out here to Texas. Yeah, it was um, about two years ago, was, I think. Yep. Yeah, which was sort of the beginning of the whole remix process, which was, you know, we've been around for about five years now. Um, I think it'll be six years in August. Um, so we're just about as old as you are in terms of a, a podcast. Um, and uh, it was one of those things that was like, you know, I started all of this literally just mixing stuff in some condiment bottles in our kitchen in uh, in our loft in Los Angeles. And it was not like a trajectory like we really knew what we we're doing we're just a bunch of artists messing around so kind of coming out to texas and getting a big warehouse and production space was like the okay we're we're make, we're gonna make it we're doing okay like let's figure out how do we really kind of make the best paint that we can how do we make things more efficient as a business mm-hmm. like let's bet it let's bet in for the long haul kind of thing and a lot of that was just kind of going back to school and kind of realizing that like, um, you know, there was a lot of feedback I was getting, you know, because conventions started happening again after, um, not that COVID's over, but, you know, now that the restrictions are are gone in most places, you know, we can see each other in person again. Yeah, whatever our new normal is. Right, exactly. And I got a lot of feedback and one of the main things was like, you know, the two things of we had an issue with freezing, um, which is basically gone now. And then, you know, half of our customers hand paint with our paints. And I didn't quite realize that coming from being an airbrusher. Um, So I really wanted to make something that worked for everybody. Um, And to do that was kind of like a, we had to go back to ground zero and, you know, none of our colors changed, but everything else about our paint changed. Um, and it was just so a, mean like basically like the, the, the chemical formulation of your paint is what you're you, you've exactly kind of... yeah so i went back to cal poly and studied organic chemistry um i worked with x right which they're known for or they own pantone and they're kind of known for their color technology um worked with chubby gorilla who makes our new bottles like basically this is the paint that like I've been I've been dreaming of for like the last two years of like it's everything I've hoped it would be. <laughs> it's very cool, and yeah, um, you were you guys were kind enough to send me some some review samples in advance. Um, you sent me a bunch of them. I only had a chance to use the uh, the hotline, um, which I had previously been using to paint my my new legions imperialis emperor's children. So I was uh, pretty stoked to test that out. You know, fast on the heels of, of having used a bunch of it last month with the original formulation, and it is cool stuff. It is definitely cool stuff. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Hotline Hotline and Emperor's Children are some of my favorite combos. Uh, you know, again, we we as a company started because of the Emperor's Children. Um, right. 
I still have not painted that army, even though Horus Heresy I, I was has about to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I bought that Horus Heresy box, what, like last summer or two summers ago, and it's it's still sat there. Oh, um, no. Yeah, we don't have the community for it here. Um, Texas is, or it's Austin specifically, has a huge wargaming community. Um, but they move around between different games. So mm. right now it's like... Um, uh what's the well the one you're playing uh legions imperialis um, oh sure yeah 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 so there's a lot of a lot of guys playing that and shatterpoint and mcp um but horus heresy kind of like came and went that one summer and i was like no please stay i want my marine <laughs> well you know <laughs> if you, if you build it they will come that's true yeah yeah there's something to be said for being a community a community builder and uh and champion too yeah um sometimes you just our, gotta our... gotta do it yourself our local game store, which is uh, Lionheart Hobbies, is tiny, and they just expanded and have um, gaming space as of like last week. So oh, cool. we're actually going over to play board games tonight, and I'm excited. Nice. That's great. But uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Well, let's 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 hear some more about uh, the remix, though. So um, you said you wanted to have the new paints kind of be available for hand brushing, and you know, I, I, speaking from experience, the the previous ones were difficult to hand brush. They're they're very thin, um, which of course is great for airbrushing but is a little more difficult when you are painting it with a hand brush it can lead to kind of streaks and stuff so um you know i don't want to i don't want to pass you about like the hard science of it but can you maybe give us like a kind of an overview of of what you've done to physically change the the, the formulation of the paint right oh yeah um so there's a kind of like two main things that we changed which is you know people talk about like gel mediums or um that sort of thing in reference to paint lines and i would say our paint was more of like a gel um when you put it on a surface it had a tendency to kind of want to beat up you know mm -hmm. so like the the pigment would kind of stay where it was and it wouldn't spread out very much right so one of the main things was working on the um kind of the rheology of it and the um fixology of it which is um the tendency for something that is um let's see how do i explain it fixology comes more into place with airbrushing so you want a a fluid that can atomize really easily, but then when it hits a surface, it kind of comes back together. Uh -huh. and it sticks. So we work with that so that like when you actually paint with a hand brush, it actually kind of um, paints a little more like a honey, you know, as opposed to like a, a watery bead. Sure. So as, as you're dragging the hand brush or as your paintbrush goes along, you know, it's it's leaving paint equally as it goes, as opposed to kind of just pushing it all the way to the end of your stroke. Um, the other thing was we increased a lot more, uh, of our pigment in our paints, you know, more uh -huh. than half of our line has been doubled in the amount of pigment we use, oh, wow. um, which alone gives you better coverage too. But, um, one of the, the big, the big changes is those combined allow you to hand brush things like never before in like two coats. And like, if you're airbrushing things, it's like one coat now, yeah. um, you know, the, just the, the mere fact that it doesn't kind of beat up on itself and it spreads out. And I hate to say like like regular paint does, but like like regular paint does, it, it sure. turns out more. Um, you know, we had when I first started all this stuff, I had designed something that was like a very special effectsy airbrush paint, and it was getting that feedback and and spending the last two years of kind of doing research and and learning from the ground up of like, okay, here's how regular paint is made, and how we can kind of combine the two into uh, like a nice unholy union. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. And I, I think that you you you've you've kind of retired some older paints in the process. 
cats fighting. Uh, of course. No worries. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's our life. Um, but yeah, so there were a couple colors. You know, we discontinued them back in June. They were either just kind of slow sellers or they kind of didn't really do what I wanted them to do. Uh-huh. Um, like Merple is one of my favorite colors. Uh, I mean, purples in general, purples and pinks. But Merple yeah. was like a desaturated uh, middle purple with like a little bit of gold to it. And I really wanted to bring it back with like a little more kind of vivaciousness and, and make it into a shift. Um, or there were some colors like Peachy Keen, which is a, a great um, kind of flamingo pink. Um, but we didn't sell an entire batch in two years. So it was like, okay, do we still need this color? Do people want sure. it? Um, so this was kind of our commitment to going back and like, let's let's clear out some colors that we know are not super popular. Let's bring out some that we know will sell well, and like let's lock our line at like eighty paints for retailers and distributors. Because mm-hmm. um, again, the other you know one of the other things was like we came up with ten new colors every year, which was amazing as a business and uh, you know a, a great way to grow. But it was also kind of because we were artists, we just kind of came up with whatever felt right. So it was like yeah. no real rhyme or reason to what was in our each of our expansions. Um, so this was the like, okay, let's let's put everything in the rainbow, let's organize it correctly, let's clean it all up, let's make it a nice, easy to understand package. Um, you know, because we also want, you know, I get this is going into way other stuff, but like we, you know, we want to grow into doing more international distribution. You know, there's, sure. there's a huge hobby market in the UK and the EU, yeah, and it's hard to get to. Um, so this was the like let's clean everything up so that we can bring it into distribution in the EU uh, and really do well over there. That kind of thing. No, that's, that's very cool. It's, it's been, it's been exciting watching you guys grow um, as a company. Cause you know, you, you've kind of been doing not just paints at this point too. You, you've done some sort of other hobby peripherals, which is pretty rad. Um, you guys were kind enough to send me some of your uh, silicone uh, paint palettes uh, back in the fall. And then um, more recently with the paints, you sent me, you sent me those, the silicone paint stirrers, which I was like, why, why would I want to stick? And then I use it. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Because <laughs> I was, I was, because I was, you know, I, I, I it, they're great for mixing your, um, your paints with your, um, airbrush thinners and stuff, in, you know, in the airbrush. And, you know, if you do that with a brush, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but the, the, the silicone stirrers are great. So thank you again for that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, I'd love to hear more about, you know, the peripherals you've been designing and what, what goes into that. It's been one of those things, like, I'm kind of, uh, like a bit of an inventor personality and like if i see a problem i will try to fix it like good or bad um i will get distracted from the main thing i was supposed to do and i'm going to go like 3d design something and 3d print it to fix my current problem um i mean the silicone palettes were something we've been using for like five years at the office and you know two years ago meredith was like why don't we make this into a product um you know i had had uh, some chunks of silicone left over from some molds. Uh, and I was just, I'd put paint on it and, you know, work from that. And then whenever it dried, I'd peel it off and it was great. And it was like, oh yeah, we should actually kind of like make this a thing. Um, and it's kind of the, like, one of our new hopes is that we can do kind of more green stuff as a company. Like, you know, we, our new packaging is fully recyclable for our paints. We moved to a glass mixing ball. You know, I want to do more silicone products, stuff that's a little more uh, long lasting and lets you not have to like throw as many things away. 
Yeah. You know, because a lot of people use pieces of cardboard or they use one of those like little plastic pallets and then they toss it when they're done. But I wanted something that would last like 20 years, you know, and you wouldn't sure. have to worry about. And the, the same thing with the mixing sticks is I was using like a little like strip of silicone to kind of mix in my airbrush because I didn't want to get my, my regular brushes dirty mm-hmm. uh, and have to clean them out. So it was nice to just like, oh, I'll just mix it up with this thing and I'll leave it out and dry and then I'll just peel it off. And, also, uh, I, I got to say, on a personal note, it is so satisfying pulling all of your old paint off of those pallets. <laughs> right? Like it's just, it's like some monkey brain thing for me. I'm just like, oh, this is, this is the best. It's like, it's like, it's that, it's scratching that like popping bubble wrap kind of itch. Yeah. Or did you ever, ever as a kid, like put like Elmer's glue on your hand and like peel it oh, off? Oh, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. that's like <laughs> one of my favorite weird feelings. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, and then you get this like weird little piece of like, like your old paint. I don't know. It's cool. And then you throw it out. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really, I, it's like my favorite part of the product. We used to keep, um, we had like a, oh, I guess it's like a waste tray that's underneath our filling machine or the hand filler that we used to have. And, um, you know, a, li- a couple drips of each color or like a whole bottle worth would sometimes go in it for every um, filling session. And eventually it would build up and you could like cut that thing like in half and you could see like the, you know, the rings like in a tree. Strata. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that there's people make jewelry out of it, but they call it like Detroit agate. Or, um, oh yeah, yeah, from the uh, the car factories, right? Yeah, we had yeah, our own like version the, of that. Super <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's very awesome. Um, actually, I, I, I'm really excited to talk to you about the bottles because your new bottles, I think, are really, really cool. Um, and uh, you know, they're, they're something I haven't really seen in miniatures paints before. I think they're they're kind of revolutionary. So I'd love to love to hear about your your new style of bottles and how they're kind of a best of both worlds situation. Yeah, you know, it's. It's uh, the bottle world is an interesting one. Um, nobody really makes bottles here in America anymore. Um, they're all made overseas, um, which is a little frustrating. Um, but a lot of uh, you know a lot of traditional paint manufacturers use dropper bottles. We use dropper bottles, and they're based on the same technology as like eye drops. Um, what we ended up moving to is a unicorn bottle made by a company called Chubby Gorilla, and they kind of invented the unicorn um style of bottle and they've been copied a bunch now by everybody else but um traditionally it's more from the vape world and e-juice and and uh, you know head shops and stuff like that so it hasn't yeah. really been used in our market but they did a couple uh, amazing things with uh you know because they deal with a very very expensive thin fluid and they need to make sure that that thing stays in there it doesn't leak but then it comes out in the way you want it to um for us you know there's there's some huge advantages which is that's a clear pet so not only is it recyclable but you can also see the color now of the paint it's not through like a milky ldpe bottle um it has a flat tip on it um so the ball bearing can't like disappear into the cone that is like the eyedropper tip Uh and then and then they engineered the actual tip the like the the little thin I'm trying to describe something to people and hopefully it comes across in the podcast. We'll see. But, uh, you know, it's a, a thin little tip that gives you a lot of control. But if, mm-hmm. if you don't squeeze, if you don't squeeze the bottle, paint doesn't come out. If you squeeze it a little bit, you get a drop or two. If you squeeze it a lot, you can get a stream. And then the cap itself actually has like a floating membrane that as you tighten the cap and push down, it actually locks um, this kind of uh, nozzle blocker onto the nozzle. So it actually 
holds itself onto the nozzle that when you're shaking the bottle, paint's not going all over the inside of the cap. Um, yeah. Which is one of the issues I've had with, um, well, I won't say the other paint companies out there, but uh, it's, there's been common issues where, you know, you shake up a thin paint and you open it up and it's just like, there's oh, I just black, yeah. yeah, there's like black wash dripping all over everything. Sure. And this kind of, this kind of prevents that. Um, it is a very untraditional paint bottle design, but I think it's one that uh, solves a lot of the issues we've dealt with as a paint manufacturer. Uh, and I think so far customers seem to really like it. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hands. impressed by it. Um, I'm actually looking at a bottle of uh, 10 star right now. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. Cause I, mean, I, I, I like the application. Um, the floating membrane stuff is awesome. I've never, I think it's, I don't, I've, I've, I, uh, I used to vape because uh, that's how I quit smoking um for several sure, yeah. years and um it i feel stupid now because like it, it you know i had a lot of vape juice bottles right and it never occurred to me like oh what if you put paint in these and it's such a, it's 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 one of those like why didn't anybody else think of that and i'm i'm, I'm really impressed with the the design and how it's working out yeah thank you and and we worked with chubby gorilla to make something that was like a a little bit thinner of a wall so you can squish it a little bit better and and, and they customized their stuff just a, a little bit for us which was nice um you know we had to buy half of our warehouse full of you know bottles so we've got enough sure. bottles for the next year but you know <laughs> uh at least we've got that taken care of but no they were no they doubt. were they were a great company to work for or work with and uh the, i th i think it's such a cool different like approach to things um and that's kind of the the thing that we've always done is just kind of bring new weird ideas to the market and you know, hope they stick. And I think this one's yeah. not going to stick. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see imitators with these bottles before long. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just a, just an obviously good idea. Um, but actually, speaking of the bottles, I was really impressed also with uh, your new approach to the labeling because they're really informative labels in a way that I feel like I've never seen from another miniatures painting label. Oh, thank you. Wow, yeah. It's like, you know, I try to be a good communicator. Obviously, I'm not all the time, but you know, when I have the time to sit down and really tweak things, like ultimately what I want to do is make sure that people have a good experience with our product and that they can make cool things, you know, and there's been barriers with like how turbo shifts work, which is in a lot of cases, they need to be over black or they need to be over a specific color. And I would, I'll be honest, our older language was not as uh, descriptive as it could have been with some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's saying something like must be used over black to see the shift. So it's like very obvious, like here's here's why this paint that looks like it's white in the bottle will look like it's blue when it's over black, you know, or sure. Um, one of the other feedbacks, you know, and, you know, I feel dumb for not realizing this, which is that, you know, something like 10% of our population is colorblind in some way, right? Yeah. And a lot of people couldn't see the shift. And I would be at a convention and somebody would be like, this is just gray paint to me. And it's like, oh, well, it goes between green and blue green and kind of a warm red. And I was like, oh, right. Um, yeah. And I, can't, I can't necessarily solve that. But like we, we've started introducing uh, universal color language on our bottles, which is a, an international standard for describing colors. That's fascinating. Um, I don't know anything about that, but it, it makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, it was it was a way to. Well, man, I could go really in, deep into like color theory and color history. You know, like if you've uh, ever heard. I mean, of this lab... is the place to do it if you want to talk. Yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, the funny thing is, there's a thing called lab color, lab color, which is like the international 
standard for describing what a color is uh-huh. and it's all it is all based off of like what 13 guys like agreed upon by looking at colors through a specific lens back in like 1920 like mm-hmm. we we use a really weird old standard for how we describe color um but cutting to kind of more modern times you know with the internet and with different screens and um all these different mediums in which we can kind of consume color um again also because of uh you know color blindness uh i can't remember the company it's like iscc or the group called iscc um basically came up with an international standard for the way that we describe color and there's kind of different levels of descriptiveness so you can do like level one which is like it's red and there's like level two sure. which is it's bright red and then we do like level three which is like um warm bright red or cool bright red or that kind of thing so, so just to be clear so like an example i'm looking at um your uh, your two cents paint right now and i see on the side of it uh two cents strong yellowish brown copper metallic is that the the terminology you're talking about so yeah so uh what you're referencing specifically for for two cents is yeah how we describe color using like level three universal color language there's a couple things i tweaked like i don't think copper is technically one of them but Uh um two cents being essentially our copper i felt like there were a couple things that i could call out even if they're not technically part of the universal standard that like they would be descriptive enough in our industry for people to get the idea sure um and I, I did that a few cases, like something being called like a grayish purple is not always the most appetizing of uh, right. even if it's proper. Um, and I will be honest, we are not the first paint company to do that in our hobby. Um, Army Painter um, actually beat us to the punch. They're, they're fanatic war paints, which I will call out because um, I think they did a great job with this. Also have... I think oh, they're cool. calling it functional functional descriptors. It's essentially the same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, we just went with the term universal color language because that's sort of uh, the standard. But um, they're doing the same thing. And I think it's just, you know, it's it's all about accessibility, you know, and I think it, yeah. just, it can help everybody in the hobby. Um, and I'm really glad that a couple of us companies are starting to kind of realize that and make things easier for people. Yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, I think I think these, especially on the turbo shifts. Like I'm looking at your uh, your 4D glasses right now. And it is the that description is um, brilliant bluish green through vivid greenish blue to vivid reddish purple shifting metallic, which is you know it's a mouthful, but like that's pretty accurate. That's what that paint does, right? And combined with the color right. swatch on the front, you know, it, it's it's it really goes a long way to telling you what this what this paint's going to do. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, that one's a real mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I it. Um, I, you know, I had to make it like point or four point font to be able to fit on the bottles too. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I also come from a background of being a photographer, and uh, I worked with color a lot in my career, and showing and describing our paints as well as they can has been something that I've been um, pretty anal about. Where I really want to make sure that people know what they're going to get. You know, I don't like uh, opening anything and having it, you know, be different than what I expected. It's like, oh, well, this green is not forest green. This green is, you know, olive green. Like, why would you package it like this? And uh, this just goes, you know, I just want, I want a good experience for everybody. And I think 
full-on descriptions. Oh, we also have like new. I'm just going to ramble at this point, but um, yeah, please. We have all we have all new swatch golems in our website. So we swat sw- swatched. We switched over to larger swatch um, kind of objects to show off our colors better. Um, and we and to clarify these these are the if you if I go to your website and look in the gallery for like a sample, this, these are little dudes you painted up in those colors, right? Correct. Yes. Um, these are the these are what we call swatch golems. Um, they're from Goonmaster Games, and we printed up like two hundred of them and painted them. Uh, my mom, Mama Dork, painted most of them for us uh, over the summer. And uh, you know, we used to use these uh, Dreadball miniatures from Fanatic, uh, not from Fanatic, from Mantic Games, um, and they were great. Uh-huh. They were really nice. They were PVC. We could like throw them against the wall and they'd bounce off. They never had an issue at conventions, but they weren't particularly big. Um, and we wanted like nice, big, smooth yeah. surfaces that would show off the colors really well. Um, and so we switched to these Gollum dudes. I actually 3D printed a kind of cool holder system so that when we photograph them, they're all in the exact same position. Uh, and then also 3D printed a big holder. So when we bring them to conventions, they're all magnetized and they just kind of click into this big bandstand thing so you can see them all at once. And, um, super cool. I'm actually working on a, uh, iOS, uh, and Android app right now where you kind of scroll between the different colors and kind of compare them. And it's neat because the, the golem is like split in half. So like one side could be 3d glasses and one side could be hotline and it lines up in the middle. So he looks like he's, he's uh-huh. just like a 50, 50 golem. Um, oh, nice. just, just weird little things that we've kind of come up with and we're rolling out over time, but you know, yeah. I you know we used to cool. we used to hand paint oh. swatches that we'd put on our paints and oh sorry, I think I lost you. No, I'm here. Oh, can okay. you hear me? Yeah, um, you're good. That was you're good. Okay, cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, we used to actually like hand paint, um, well, airbrush paint swatches of vinyl and then cut them out and stick them on the paint bottles for the first like three weeks we were doing turbo dork uh we couldn't really keep up with that yeah um so we went to the regular kind of metallic label which i think does a good job um but really seeing seeing our paints in person or seeing those swatch golems is like the key i think yeah no that, that makes perfect sense um actually speaking about about when you're filling bottles you, you have a new system for that too don't you yeah, that is like my favorite new thing right now, which is our new big automated filling machine. Um, we got it custom. Yeah, tell us all about us. that and like, yeah, because you you were doing it by hand previously, right? Yeah, and I I recorded a video uh, that I need to cut together right before we kind of took apart the hand filling line. But we've been in, we've been filling every paint for the last five years by hand uh, up until January, and. I had kind of designed different parts of it. Like uh, I designed a ball bearing dispenser that you can just like put the bottle up to and it like shoots a BB into it and kind of organizing trays. And um, it was neat because we could like, there were like two or three of us on the line and we'd watch TV and just kind of hang out and fill paint. But we just grew past that and it was just too hard to keep up with. Yeah. Um, so last year we commissioned a automated filling line um, with, with the new bottle in mind uh and we got it all up and running in january for this remix launch and it is crazy like you know it's filling at five seconds per bottle right now which i actually kind of had to slow it down to that because we couldn't keep up with like it was like uh 
this is kind of a dated reference, but like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory with like us trying to pour oh, yeah. it <laughs> one side and you know pour put bottles oh, in front of it or BBs in it, and it was like we're just firing paints off the line, and we had to slow it down a bit. Um, but it's cool because at five seconds a bottle, we've we've doubled our capacity, you know, and uh, it just takes one of us now to run the thing. But it is loud <laughs> as a trade-off. Say uh, they call it a countertop filling machine, which is it's not a massive, big conveyor belt style thing. Um, so it's it's not too big. It's like four foot by eight foot. Um, it has a big tray on the front with a um, uh, like loading area. So all of our bottles now, instead of coming in a big bag and like whatever direction, they come in like sheets. So we take a sheet of 100 bottles, we push it in the front of the machine, uh, and it kind of loads it one by one into this big star wheel. And as it goes through, it has sensors uh, and different stations. So the first station is a peristaltic pump. Um, so it pumps the paint into it, and then it turns to the next station, it drops a ball bearing into it, turns to the next station, it drops a cap on it. Fourth station, I guess then, it tightens the cap, and then fifth station, it kicks it out onto a labeling uh, conveyor belt. Uh, and then it then goes down to our um, labeler, which we also got a hot stamper on it. So now it actually does a little imprint of like um, our date coding and our batch coding on it or onto the label itself. Uh, and then it drops into a, uh, we're using like craft beer trays now. So we have like 800 um, cardboard trays that we've just been stacking the paint. Oh, on. wow. But um, one of the big switchovers into automation that um we were kind of helped out with with the unicorn bottle is that uh, the tip and the cap all kind of come together um, previously we would have to put the tips in by hand and then put the cap on and then tighten it and in the world of automation and, and filling that in itself is actually a very complicated task that is hard to automate so the fact that interesting come together for us um, from the manufacturer from Chubby Gorilla makes it super easy. Um, oh so yeah, I'll bet. Big cap vat that you pour a bag of caps into, and it shakes itself with like these ramps, and it kind of organizes it so that the caps are always facing straight up. By the time it reaches the filling machine, it's really fascinating and, and kind of cool to watch. But it is oh, that's super cool. You got you, you got to post some videos if that's going to reveal a trade secret. No, I yeah. I mean, thankfully, this is nothing that I've uh created and, and feel you know protective of like i'm happy to sure videos of this yeah <laughs> and it is really cool to watch if if a bit loud and, and scary looking watching yeah. it happen at once <laughs> that's very awesome though um no that's super cool I, it's so exciting to see how 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 i mean you guys have like a real proper like automated filling line now right like a like you know it's that's that's real infrastructure that I think a lot of other paint companies, you know, don't don't necessarily have going on until they hit the, the the big leagues, which it seems like you're in now. Yeah, we're we're in the minor leagues right now. We've gotten out of you know uh, club baseball, uh, and now we're 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 slightly pros, you know, and we'll be we'll be yeah. big league soon enough, though I think. But yeah, I right mean, now. like, you know, like Army Painter has three machines that they run like like sure. this, but bigger, and they run them twenty four seven. Yeah, you know, um, we're running eight hours a day, five days a week, which is still, we've made more paint in the last six weeks than we did in like the last year combined. Wow. So, um, and it has all been sold already. <laughs> we, wow, we that's awesome. More. Um, it has been crazy. Uh, but it is really nice to be able to like, 
yeah, we just pour stuff in and, you know, filled bottles come out the other end and it's not like a, a thing anymore. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's really nice to kind of have the professional tools to be doing it. I miss, I miss the DIY aspect in some respect. I like, sure. I like designing things myself and I like solving solutions or coming up with solutions. But then there's the time when it's like, you know what, there's, you know, hundreds of companies out there that make these machines and there's people who have careers making these machines. Like I should probably just let the experts figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like doing that, but not necessarily for, on a professional basis. <laughs> sure. Um, no, that's, that's, that's very cool. Um, so convention season's kind of here. Um, I think you're going to be at Adepticon in just a few weeks. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm really looking forward to Adepticon. Um, we're, our next convention is actually Gamma, technically, which is in two weeks. Oh, um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an industry trade show for people who may not be familiar. Yeah, I was going to say, most people don't know about Gamma, but it's the, the trade show that all the retailers and distributors and manufacturers and like uh-huh. um, designers go to. Um, so we get to kind of show all of our products off to the retailers there and tell them about what we're going to do for the next year. Um, which you guys know what we're doing for the next year, which is remix, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it's, it's nice to kind of, you know, we can bring this stuff and we can show them in person and and, and talk to them there and kind of network. Um, But then literally two weeks after that is Adepticon, which, you know, well, I got to see you at Adepticon last year and thank you. Yeah, it was great. Oh, sure. (laughs) A sandwich or something, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was cold white castle. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did bring me cold White Castle. That was yeah. Really cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're still friends. Yeah, I mean, I was, I did Adepticon on my own, which is insane. Uh, oh, that's right, because because Meredith got ill right before the show, didn't she? She was well, actually, our 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 Kitty Hush. Uh, that's right. Seizures. That's right. Uh, so she was staying home and making sure he was going to be okay, which he's yeah. been okay and great. Oh, um, good. But uh, yeah, so I drove the two days out to Schaumburg, Illinois on my own. I ran oh, that man. mostly on my own for four days and then drove the two days back. Um, yeah, I was basically drinking the uh, coffee Soylents as the <laughs> my sustenance for that week so that I could have calories and caffeine oh, and, I, and I wouldn't have to leave other than to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> And then I ate uh, chicken fingers from the uh, the concession stand, and then I went to sleep at like seven thirty p.m. Oh, every day. <laughs> well, I, I hope you have a, a uh, more pleasurable Adepticon this year. <laughs> oh, I will. Yeah, Meredith's coming along. We've got a lot of friends. Like Good. Adepticon is one of those like, man. Even just the setup day at Adepticon, I was like, I am coming back to this convention forever. Like yeah, this yeah. is this is Mini's gaming mecca, and I can't imagine not being here. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think I think it's probably the best miniatures wargaming show in the world. It is, yeah, absolutely. And people are there for every aspect of the hobby too, right? Yeah. You have stuff like LVO, which is a, an amazing tournament scene. You know, to go into this big room and see like a thousand people playing 40k competitively is super yeah. cool. But you know, I'm more of on. I'm not good at these games generally, but I like them, uh, and so I like kind of the more hobby casual aspect of adepticon but that there's still also the competitive you know uh side of it yeah Um, you know so you get you know golden demon you get all the people who are there just because they love painting and they're hanging out painting that weekend or they're just there to play 
you know, MCP with their friends or they are there to go, you know, win the Legion, you know, tournament or that kind of thing. It's such a great environment. And we also get, you know, all the vendors from across the world that you don't normally get to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like uh, Neko Galaxy is one of my favorite kind of uh, large format uh, I guess they're minis still. They're like 75 millimeter and up. Uh-huh. Like kind of busts and stuff. And like, I just love their designs. And they came last year. And um, what was a Big Child Creative was the other one. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, um, God, I'm just gonna keep saying it then and then because it's like everyone comes and it's also cool. yeah, it's it's cool. You know, there's there's smaller publishers and manufacturers like you know, like Slow Death Games is there, right? And you just get to see like yes, cool Chris, weird yeah. stuff that you might not otherwise be exposed to, even online, right? Yeah, it's it's another thing to like. I think people come with very open minds to conventions and they're there for that kind of like fun and discovery process. Like, I'm an information addict. I love learning about stuff on the internet, but there's another. It's a whole other thing to be there, even with just the creator of a game for a few minutes. You know, um, you like Sean, who does Relic Blade. Oh, yeah, you of know, course. Like, like, that is such an amazing game. And he's such an amazing guy to be like one one man armying um, a whole miniatures game. You know, basically, you know, it's like sculpting, writing it, designing it. Um, well, Malev uh, also writes stuff. Yeah. Um, but um just to, to be in that environment to feel that energy is is really nice um I'm, and i'm hoping to experience more of it this time and not just yeah talk to the booth. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to eat and uh, and sleep and uh yeah not, not just death march it out right <laughs> yep <laughs> it was still a great death march though let me just let me just tell you that but yeah <laughs> yeah it's if still i was gonna a... death march at any convention i'd do it to adepticon in any oh day. for sure yeah, no, it's it's a great show because I, I think you know it's one thing to like look at stuff online, like but you know as you were saying there, there there's a there's a physicality to this hobby and being able to see the, the the miniatures and the paints and all that stuff in person, you know, in the round is it's just a whole other level of of enjoying this stuff. Yeah, I mean it can also be overwhelming to to some extent too, which is why I'm glad it's like a four day thing. Yeah, I I feel like sometimes the weekend conventions are just like too compact like you you get burnt out really quickly um you know i i I go to a fair number of conventions um and have been known over the years and you know there are there are some shows where i'm like did this need to be a four-day show it probably didn't and adepticon is adepticon could be five days and i would still be perfectly satisfied with it like there's just so much going on yeah i agree um have you done pax unplugged i have not but i'm thinking about doing it in the near future they have a big minis contingent now. Yeah. Um, and they're actually starting to gather us vendors who do minis into like one area of the show. So it's like, we've got oh, that's miniatures cool. alley. That's um, great. And that is another one of those shows where like it could add another day and like people would still yeah. enjoy it. Um, very different show though. I mean, cause it's board game. Oh, sure. But yeah. But now board games have miniatures, you know, and they sure do. You know, plenty of people are painting, um, you know, Frosthaven minis or Kingdom Death Monster yeah, or yeah. even just Scythe. Um, I've been thinking about painting some eggs for Wingspan, you know. Oh, nice. It, it's everywhere now. Very and, cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I I'm going to wrap this up here, but um, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have one final question for you. So with the remix done, um, your paints are out there. What is your current favorite Turbo Dork color? Oh, boy. <laughs> I really yeah, like Syringa. Syringa. Yeah, I mean, Syringa, it's one of our new colors. It's a lilac. Um, it's 
kind of a sick lilac. It's like my ode to Slanish. Okay. Um, and it's it's not a color that I think most people expected to see uh, as a metallic, but I think it's gonna feel really nice on a lot of those, you know, um, chaos demons and stuff because it's yeah. just kind of gross, but also kind of alluring, like sickly sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the that's the tough thing when we when our whole life is making paints and color. It's like my favorite color is usually the the one I'm working on right now. Sure, you know. And um, that stuff I have, or I can't really talk about most of the time. Um, yeah, of course. But in terms of the, you know, the immediate launch, I think Syringa is, but I like weird pinks and purples. So that follows, or that tracks yeah. for, for my preference. Checks out. Yeah. Uh, I also really like Peacock. It's a nice blue green. Um, we don't have a lot of like just greeny type shifts so we came out with a couple more which was peacock and leviathan and, and it's nice to kind of fill out the rainbow right on. um yeah cool well you sold me on all that stuff and uh so i think <laughs> the uh you're you can pre-order it now at turbodork.com is that correct yeah pre-orders are up through monday and we start shipping on monday monday is the 26th because uh, it's just for anybody who's listening they may be a little a few correct. days out but uh, right yeah and... so if if you if you order it now, it will ship definitely next week. If you wait past that, uh, it might be another month or so until we ship again because we're going to sure. kind of pack everything up for Depticon so that they get a chance to buy the new stuff uh, as yeah, well. <laughs> makes sense. Um, but yeah, if you're listening, if you're a uh, Brushworks Union member, remember you do get a ten uh, percent off code at the TurboDork website. Thanks again for that, Greg. Um, yeah. So be sure to use your code when you're making those orders. Um, and if you're not a BW member, uh, you should join. But uh, I, won't, I won't push you on that. Um, <laughs> yes, you should join. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's actually great. Thanks for being a member for the last several years. It's been, it's been, it's cool having you uh, among us. Yeah, I really like. Uh, I like getting the little passport book. I like getting the stickers. Uh, I wish I could keep up with it as much as I'd like, but I like the idea of a community that's around, like encouraging each other and you know, embracing the hobby aspect. So thank you for, for making something that's cool. Oh, cool, uh, man. Thanks. Thank you for, <laughs> it's nice to hear. Yeah. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking yeah. with you and I love just talking shop and, and having fun. Yeah. Anytime you and or Meredith want to be on here, just, just, just let me know. Um, but again, go to turbodork.com. If you're listening, check out all the new paints, find the TurboDork booth coming up at Adepticon at the end of March in just a few more weeks. And uh, we will be back next month with our next episode. So, uh, Greg, thanks one more time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Simon. Cheers. The Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.